Yeah, it's sports talk from the three bros. Something you can bet on like Pete Rose. And you better not miss it like some free throws. Giving taste is more accurate than Drew Brees throws. And it might get explosive like some C4. We just giving you a look inside the peephole. So if you got a weak take, you better keep those. And get your cheeks swole when you step into the ring with the Amibros. What's up, what's up, what's up? It's your boy, 85, a.k.a. Statman, a.k.a. Jared, from the Amibros Podcast. And I got something I want to talk about today. So, as I watch the sports shows, I'm hearing a lot about Pat Mahomes. And rightfully so. Patrick Mahomes is putting up numbers that we've never seen before. But I have to ask myself the question. How good is Patrick Mahomes? I hear about him all the time. He's breaking every NFL record. But I don't know how good he is. When I made the comparison for this, and people are probably going to laugh, I think Pat Mahomes is very much like Kevin Durant. Uh, Kevin Durant, the last couple years, three years uh, before he got hurt this year, you know, everybody was started saying, oh, he's the best player in basketball. And the reason everybody says that Kevin Durant's the best player in basketball is because he kept winning. He kept beating LeBron in the finals. And at the end of the day, everybody looked at it and said, this guy consistently puts up great numbers. You can't deny how talented he is physically. He's 6'11", with a handle, can shoot a three-pointer, can do all these things that nobody else before him could do, and he's winning. So if he's doing this and he's winning and he has an, a God-given skill set that nobody can argue against, how can this guy not be the best player in the league? And I told people consistently, LeBron is still better than Kevin Durant. The reason why everybody thinks Kevin Durant is the best player in the league at the time was because he was playing with Golden State. And so if you look at the situation and you compare what Pat Mahomes has stepped into in Kansas City to what Kevin Durant stepped into in Golden State, very similar. I'll give you it. Uh, Kevin Durant replaces a above average but high caliber starter at his position. Harrison Barnes left uh, Golden State, signed a max deal. Uh, with the Mavericks, he just signed another $90 million deal. He's an above-average small forward starting in, in, a, in the NBA. Comparably, Pat Mahomes replaced a solid starting quarterback above average in the NFL. He replaced Alex Smith, who uh, many people forget, and then everybody looks at it and forgets that Alex Smith, the year before Pat Mahomes started, he was the leading candidate for the MVP halfway through the 2017 season. Uh, put out phenomenal stats early in the season, faded a little bit late, but... Pat Mahomes came into a situation where he was able to replace a very competent starter. The teams both had very highly credited coaches. Andy Reid is the best coach when it comes to, to coaching quarterbacks in the NFL that we've seen maybe since uh, I mean, Bill Walsh, maybe. Um, if you look at quarterbacks and who can consistently develop a quarterback, take these quarterbacks and look at their stats with Andy Reid and without Andy Reid. Uh, look at Michael Vick's numbers outside of Andy Reid and with Andy Reid. They're up, I believe it's nine. His quarterback rating is nine points higher with Andy Reid. Kevin Cobb's numbers were better with Andy Reid than without Andy Reid. Um, you had, obviously, Donovan McNabb's numbers were significantly higher with Andy Reid than without Andy Reid when he went to the Redskins and he went to the Vikings. You can say some of that he was old, but the year before he looked great before that. Um, you can look at Alex Smith's numbers, as, as I stated. His numbers in San Francisco, his numbers outside of Kansas City when he went to Washington were significantly higher with Andy Reid. And so when I compare what Pat Mahomes is doing to 
what other quarterbacks in the league are doing. I'm not sure how good he is. Obviously, he's a very talented quarterback. Obviously, he's a top five quarterback in the league. And right now, looks like he's the number one quarterback in the league. But for me, I have to ask myself the question, if you took another high-caliber quarterback, if you took a uh, Carson Wentz gets hurt too much, but if you took his talent and you put him in that system, or you took a Deshaun Watson and put him in that system, or uh, Dak Prescott, I don't think, is on that talent level. But it, you, you get the point. Everybody that tells me, you know, how good Jared Goff is, um, I, I, want, I want them to go back and look at how did Jared Goff look with Jeff Fisher. I want everybody that looked at Trubisky last year and thought he made this huge leap. I want people to remember how he looked well, now, but how he looked, <laughs> looked with John Fox uh, before he got Matt Nagy. There's a lot of coaches that can take a quarterback that has a certain set of skills and they can develop a, a, a game plan around those skill sets to be able to help them to be able to be as successful as possible. And with Andy Reid, he's always been very good at taking whatever you do best and minimizing where your weaknesses are and maximizing your strengths. So if you look at what they've done around Patrick Mahomes, he's got the best set of receivers in the NFL. It's unquestionable. You got uh, Tyreek Hill, who's the most explosive receiver in the league. Um, you got Sammy Watkins, who's second in receiving yards coming into week four as your number two receiver. Uh, you got Travis Kelsey, who's leading all the tight ends in receiving yards and is also top five overall in receiving yards. Um, you have Demetrius Robinson, who's had back-to-back -back monstrous weeks since Tyreek Hill got hurt. Um, even behind there, you have Miko Hardman, who's a speedster, had a 76-yard touchdown this week. So from a receiving core, um, especially including tight end, they have by far the best receiving core. Um, they have an offensive line that has declined a little bit. Uh, they have an uh, injury to Eric Fisher. But an offensive line that allowed him to be sacked uh, in, the, in the bottom 10. So he was, or top 10, however you want to count. He was the uh, top 10 least sacked quarterback based on the amount of times he threw last year. Um, and you gave him a running game that up until Kareem Hunt got, got uh, kicked off the team, uh, that running back in that running game was a top 10, maybe top 5 rushing attack. Even now with, with Shady McCoy, uh, with Damian Williams, uh, with the other Williams kid, which I can't think of now that Damian's a little banged up, uh, they've been able to, to give him a solid running game. They've been able to give him weapons at the receiver position and protection, and then to have a, a coach that can coach your best out of you. Um, I don't know how good Pat Mahomes is. I think he's, he's phenomenal, but I'm hearing from people to, uh, on all these sports shows that Pat Mahomes is the greatest quarterback of all time, uh, that right now... He, this is the greatest we've ever seen this position played. And I think it's laughable. I watch the games, and literally, I, I, anybody that wants to, I can post, I'll post it on the Me Bros page later. Take a look. At, there, there's a compilation of all Pat Mahomes' 50 touchdown passes last year. No exaggeration. I could have thrown it at minimum 20 of them. Um, there's at least 20 of them where the passes were thrown less than five yards, and the receiver just took off and, and ran. And I think, that, take nothing away from Pat Mahomes, I think he's phenomenal. And I think every coach should do what Andy Reid did to be able to design a play, play or game plan around him to be able to maximize his skill sets. But I think we're going a little overboard. I think um, if you want to tell me he's the best quarterback in the league, I'm fine with that. Because I think, you know, ultimately I thought, I thought he beat Tom Brady last year in the, in, the, in the AFC Championship game. You know, you go down, you score a touchdown to take the lead at the end of the game. Um, Brady threw a pick. Only reason it got turned, turned over is because the guy from the Chiefs, D4, lined up all sides, got no advantage off of it, got no pressure on Brady on the play. So it was an a, a inconsequential play, but it was monumental because it gave him a second chance. And you knew after that that Tom Brady wasn't going to give that second chance back. So if you want to tell me he's the best quarterback in the league, I'm fine. 
uh, with that comment. But the people that are telling me this is the best the position's ever been played, um, one, they're, they're taking out the nuances of how much different, uh, much different and, and easy the, the quarterback position is to play now that you can't get hit all the time. Um, also, they're looking at the – they're taking out the fact of all they do to maximize that offense for them. Half of those plays, I mean, they lead the league in most screen passes thrown. Um, there's a lot of different things that they do to, be, to, to make sure that Pat Mahomes is able to uh, put up those guardy numbers and to be able to keep his efficiency high. Uh, I think there's a reason why, if you look at Pro Football Focus, they ranked him this season uh, so far as the sixth best quarterback in the league based on amount of interceptable passes and the difficulty of, of the um, game that he's playing. So, obviously, I, I'm a huge fan of Pat Mahomes. Don't tell me this is the greatest quarterback play we've ever seen. Um, they're scheming a lot of those plays open and making it a lot easier for him because Andy Reid is a genius when it comes to that. Next thing I want to want to get into a little bit, now we get off Pat Mahomes, and get on my boy. You can look over my shoulder. That's a Deshaun Watson jersey. Deshaun Watson put up one of the best performances of the year, AFC Player of the Week. Um, if you looked at the game versus the Chargers, one of the biggest keys that I saw was the offensive line for the Texans is much improved. And most people watched the Week 1 versus the Saints, and they looked at it and said, oh, yeah, you, you, draft, you traded all those draft picks uh, to get Laramie Tunsil. And after getting Laramie Tunsil, you still have a terrible offensive line. Uh, but they negated the fact that, one, the Saints lead the NFL in sacks. Um, and, two, they negated the fact that this is the first week you have an offensive line together. Nobody, If, if you haven't played football before or, or watched it at a high level, offensive line is a lot about cohesion. There's a lot of things that a defensive line can do to get pressure on a quarterback, whether it's stunts or whether it's a blitz, delayed blitz, etc. And it has to be communication between the offensive line, between the tackle and the guard, the center, etc. to make sure that whatever gaps are going to be open, that they're closed. If there's a stunt and the, the right defensive end goes across the face of the left, the left tackle, then there needs to be some communication for them to switch, pick up on whoever they need to uh, pick up on. And I thought the communication wasn't solid earlier on, first game of the season. But if you looked at it, since then, they, they've had, they, had four, they had six sacks that game they allowed on Deshaun Watson. Versus Jacksonville, they caught it four sacks. It really was two. Um, one was a fumble snap that he just dove on top of. I, I can't really give him a credit for a, snap, uh, for a sack. Another one was where Deshaun Watson ran out of bounds uh, at the line of scrimmage, and they just called it a sack. Um, with that being said, this week versus the Chargers versus Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram, two of the elite premier pass rushers in the league, um, the Houston Texans only allowed two sacks, and they were able to minimize the pressure on Deshaun Watson. Uh, this was the least pressure percentage he faced in his entire career in any game. He was only pressured on 13% of his dropbacks, uh, and you saw what he was able to do. As much as everyone, uh, and as we talked about beforehand, everybody uh, talks about Pat Mahomes, and how, Pat Mahomes and how well he's playing the position, Deshaun Watson's putting up numbers that we haven't seen um, from a quarterback in his first 25 starts. Um, you know, Pat Mahomes has started 20 games, Deshaun started 25. If you're going to compare their stats, uh, Pat Mahomes' stats are going to be better. Um, and, and, you know, like I said, if you want to make the argument that you think Pat Mahomes is a better quarterback, make that argument. Personally, I think if you gave them similar situations, uh, I think Deshaun Watson could put up similar numbers to Pat Mahomes in that offense. I'm not sure if Pat Mahomes, what he does 
if he got thrown into a situation with a terrible offensive line. And, you know, the, the knock on Pat Mahomes when he came out of college was he was a little undisciplined. He was a gunslinger, hadn't really been in an organized offense. So he got a year to sit, learn, be groomed by Andy Reid for, for a full season before he started. I'm not sure he does as well as, as Deshaun if he just you, you throw him in the lineup and send him out there. But with that being said, as much as Mahomes' numbers are, are scary – Deshaun Watson total touchdowns has three less total touchdowns in his career than Pat Mahomes. And he started 25 games. Uh, Mahomes has started 20. Uh, but with that being said, I mean, you can't deny that obvious weapons advantage, obvious offensive line advantage, obviously play calling advantage. So that gap that people think is not as significant as you would probably likely think. Um, so uh, to get a, a little bit more into that, through their first 25 starts, because uh, Mahomes hasn't gotten that number yet, um, Deshaun Watson has the second highest quarterback rating in the history of the NFL uh, through the first 25 starts. He's got a 103.7 uh, right behind Kurt Warner's 104.0, um, which was uh, with the greatest show on turf. I, as I've said, I thought Pat Mahomes came into the best situation for a, a first-time starting quarterback outside of Kurt, Mahomes, uh, Kurt Warner's uh, greatest show on turf when he came in there and had Isaac Bruce and he had Marshall Falk and he had Torrey Holt and he had Isaac Hakeem and – uh, Mike Martz calling the plays. I think that, a very similar situation. Um, also, you look at the numbers. Um, he's number one in uh, completion percentage for uh, quarterbacks' first 25 starts. Um, he's number two in yards per attempt. Uh, and, you know, I think as much as everybody kind of kills Bill O'Brien for the trades that he's made, I like the fact that he's taken some chances. He's gotten a little bit more aggressive. And, and I have to, you know, I. I was down on them trading Jadavion Clowney. I still feel like they, they didn't get enough, um, especially if Jadavion doesn't re-sign with the Seahawks because that third-round pick will go away. But with that being said, he's addressed many of the needs. Um, cornerback, he got rid of Aaron Colvin after that first week. Our secondaries looked much more, uh, more uh, cohesive and much more disciplined because if you look at that first game, most of the bad plays, most of the blown coverages were you, you could throw to, to Aaron Colvin. Secondly, He's obviously corrected that offensive line significantly. Out of the draft picks they drafted this year, he moved Titus Howard to right tackle, which I couldn't figure out why they didn't do it at the beginning because Titus Howard, for three years in college, played right tackle, not left tackle. Um, so we had him at left guard. We moved him to right tackle. Max Sharping, who was a left tackle in college, uh, we moved him to left guard. He was our second-round pick. Uh, we had Laramie Tunsil out there at left tackle, and we were able to solidify the line. We, we uh, signed Nick Martin into an extension at center, uh, who's Zach Martin, the uh, the Pro Bowl uh, guard for the Cowboys? Is his I believe it's his twin brother. Uh, hasn't lived up to the draft pick of third round for for Nick, but it's mostly because of injuries. And he looks like he's he's healthy now, and, and the team's playing pretty well. So um, I think he solidified the offensive line. Also, if you're going to look at the rest of the team, he's he was able to get uh, Kenny Stills, who's a much needed consistent slot receiver threat or outside receiver threat. Uh, what we've been doing a little bit more of is Will Fuller on one side, Kenny Stills on the other, and even throwing DeAndre Hopkins in the slot because when you, you throw DeAndre Hopkins in the slot, it's hard for a lot of the corners. There's only, there are very few corners that can go and say, hey, look, I'm just going to chase uh, DeAndre Hopkins around. There are very few. There's you know maybe Jalen Ramsey, uh, maybe Marshawn Lattimore, uh, maybe Jerry Alexander, but most of them, if they're a boundary corner, they're going to stay on the outside. And so when you're able to move DeAndre Hopkins inside and still have weapons on the outside that are, are credible, 
then it forces a nickel cornerback, who's usually your third or fourth best cornerback on the team, to have to guard DeAndre Hopkins, and they've been able to get favorable uh, matchups. So uh, I, I got to give some credit to Bill O'Brien for doing that. Lastly, uh, we had Charles uh, Amin- Aminu, I believe is his name. Um, I'm not sure if that's pronunciation, but he came from Texas. Fifth-round pick at defensive end. He slid in to be able to help significantly to get with the uh, get the pass rush um, bulked up. If you looked at the uh, first game, we didn't really have much pass rush at all. Um, he's been able to – Whitley Merciless slid over into the Jadavion Clowney role. He's having a defensive player of the year type start. He's got um, – you know, four four sacks, uh, three forced fumbles, and an interception through three games. Um, but with that being said, uh, a menu menu or a menu, whatever his name is, I'm gonna uh, blank on it. But uh, he has put a lot of pressure up the gap and allowed JJ Watt to be able to get a little less pressure than he was getting earlier on, where he was getting doubled and even triple teamed from time to time. So um, I think the Texans are looking very good. I'm looking forward to the matchup: Texans versus Chiefs, Week Six. Um, I believe at that point the Texans will be five and one or four and one uh, next two games versus the Panthers and backup quarterback Kyle Allen um, and versus the Atlanta Falcons who've lost eight straight games versus the AFC opponents uh, and then the Chiefs they have the Lions this week which I don't expect them to have much trouble with and I believe the other team may have been the Broncos they face either way I expect them not to lose any more games before that matchup and that Sunday will be one that I look forward to very much so to see the top two quarterbacks in that class um, face off. Next, I want to kind of get in a little bit of the college picks. I, I know uh, we're getting a little late, and I wanted to um, give you guys some picks to help you guys to feel better about some of your bets that you may have lost last week based on some of the advice I gave you. So listen, I'm not somebody that's afraid to tell you when I'm wrong. I was wrong last week on a few picks. Uh, first and foremost, Mr. Khaki Pants, Jim Harbaugh. I said that I that Michigan was going to be able to control the game by being able to stop the run because that defensive front has been known for years to be a very solid and physical defensive front and boy was I wrong Jonathan Taylor had gaps that he ran through that were the size of I-85 uh, I mean it, it literally he had 143 rushing yards in the four, first quarter with two touchdowns and by halftime it was 28-0 I told you to take Michigan and take the points that they were getting because they were they were the underdogs there was no way they were covering. They tried to make the game look respectable at the end by scoring a few garbage time touchdowns. But at this point, I have to say I'm out on Jim Harbaugh. Um, not out in the sense that, that he, it's time for him to be fired. But if you look at what has been promised by him since he got there and what he's delivered, it hasn't matched up. He got there first year. Immediately, he turned it around. The next year, I thought he got cheated versus Ohio State. I thought it was a turnover, and they should have been playing in in the college football playoffs, and maybe that changes the trajectory. But then you lose that game to Florida State in the the Orange Bowl with uh, Jake Butt, who was their their All-American tight end, having the horrific injury. And I think at the end of the day, when you look at what's happened since then, those are mostly Brady Hoke's players. So he's been recruiting. He's gotten some very highly touted recruits that haven't panned out. Rashawn Gary ended up going first round, but he was never an All-American in, in college. And Rashawn Gary was the unquestioned number one pick in the dry, or number one recruit in high school. He was consensus on rivals, scout, 24-7, and ESPN as the number one recruit. Never hit All-American status. Meanwhile, the number two and number three defensive tackles in those classes were Dexter Lawrence, who made an All-American team, uh, Ed Oliver, who made multiple All-American teams. Uh, it, it just doesn't seem like they're developing talent. And even when you look at the quarterback position right now, 
Uh, you have a quarterback. You have several quarterbacks there. They're super highly talented and touted. Um, you got Dylan McCaffrey, who's brother of uh, Christian McCaffrey, son of Ed McCaffrey, former Bronco. Uh, he was the number one or two quarterback coming out in that class, the same class of uh, with Jake Fromm and with Tua. Uh, he's gotten on the field and it hasn't looked nearly at the level that we expected him to look like. And then you have, obviously, your quarterback transfer from Ole Miss, Shea Patterson, who was supposed to light the world on fire, was the number one dual-threat quarterback out of high school, and they can barely score points. So uh, enough raining on, on Michigan. I was clearly wrong on that pick. Um, there was a couple others. I told you guys to pick Texas A&M and, and get the points versus Auburn. They clearly didn't cover. But the one I told you was the lock I was right about. I told you Notre Dame was going to cover 14 points. I said there's no way Georgia beats Notre Dame by 14 points. And I was right. Um, I thought Georgia looked good. I thought they were impressive. I said I thought Notre Dame might actually win the game, but I wasn't sure. And Notre Dame had some chances to win that game. But with that being said, I knew they weren't going to lose by more than 14 points because people underestimate how good Notre Dame was and is. And secondly, I predicted it. I said after the fact, I said you're going to look at it and Paul Feinbaum and these SEC people are going to say, oh, you know, I'm so impressed by Notre Dame. I give them a lot more respect. You know why you give them a lot more respect? Because they play very close to an SEC team. And last year, you tried to take respect away just because they got pounded by Clemson. But then you didn't take that respect away from Alabama when they got beat even worse by Clemson. So I told you guys that was going to happen. I said, look, if Georgia ends up winning a close game, all the SEC people are going to say, oh, Notre Dame, that was a great performance. Maybe they are a better team than we thought. And the team that Clemson beat last year by 27 points was that exact same Notre Dame team that Georgia played at home and won by six. Only difference is that team had two extra All-Americans on there in Julian Love and uh, the defensive lineman Jerry Tillery. Uh, so with that being said, let's get into some picks this week. Uh, I got three major picks for you guys on the college side that you really can't miss on, in my opinion. I think this will rec- if you lost any money on my picks last week, trust me, this week I'll help you get it back. Uh, the first game I want to go with, Clemson's playing North, North Carolina. North Carolina is at home getting 27 and a half points. If you can get this line before it goes to 28, take Clemson minus 27 and a half points. North Carolina just lost yesterday, uh, or not yesterday, last week to Appalachian State. Um, and that was a game I almost bet on UNC, but I saw the line was five points, and I was like, this seems like a sucker line. There's no reason the line should be five points, and I was right. They're coming off back-to-back losses, uh, one to Appalachian State, one to Wake Forest. Um, and I think when you look at Clemson's putting the foot on the on the on the gas pedal and, and pedaling through right now through the uh, through the rest of the ACC schedule because of the fact that Clemson realizes they have no get out of jail free card this year. Um, the ACC looks terrible. So any loss that Clemson takes, they're out of college football playoffs. I don't think they're going to allow that to happen. I don't think they're going to allow any games to be close. I'm expecting them to cover at least 28 points. I want to say they win the game. By 35, I'm going to call the game 49 to 14, um, and, and Clemson's going to cover the spread. Next game, if you look at Southern Cal, they are playing Washington. They are getting 10 and a half points. Do I expect the game? No, I don't. I like Washington. Eason, I think he's a very, very talented quarterback who likely will go top 10 in this year's draft. Um, he just got moved into to, uh, McShay's big board, top 25, um, at number 25. I think at the end of the season, you're going to see his name skyrocket. I think he's going top 10. He's got the best arm talent coming out of college since the Pat Mahomes since Pat Mahomes came out. Maybe Josh Allen had 
you know, arm strength. But as far as talent-wise, I mean, Jacob Eason was the number one recruit out of high school for a reason um, before going to Georgia. Had a phenomenal freshman year, but then got injured and they gave the job to, to, to Fromm. He is a super talented quarterback, but I don't expect him to beat USC by more than 10 points. So if you're giving me 10.5 points, I'm taking Southern Cal to cover the 10.5 points. Last one I want to go through, go through is Notre Dame playing versus Virginia. I told you guys I thought Notre Dame was a very talented team, but I don't think they're beating Virginia by 12.5 points. Look, Virginia's the number 18 ranked team in the country. Notre Dame's coming off of a very physical and very heartbreaking loss to Georgia. I think when you look at that game, I think the game is at Notre Dame, so that helps Notre Dame from that fashion. But Notre Dame's played some very close games in the ACC the last few years. Last year, they almost lost to Pitt. Um, they had a very close game versus Boston College. Um, and I, uh, I think that may have been two years ago when they had a very close game versus Boston College in a, in a, uh, a season where they started the season, I want to say 7-0 and before losing to Miami. I think it's going to be a lot closer than 12.5 points. I'm going to say Notre Dame wins the game by touchdown. But if you're giving me 12.5 points, I'm going to take Virginia minus, uh, plus 12.5. Uh, I'm going to take Clemson minus 27 and a half, and I'm going to take Southern Cal minus or plus 10 and a half points versus Washington. Those are the three games I would tell you to pick, uh, college-wise, NFL-wise. I've kind of I went through those on the podcast, so check it out. Um, obviously, I, I'll go through a few of those. I had the Texans um, covering versus the the Panthers. The Panthers have obviously their backup quarterback Kyle Allen. Everybody's pretty high on, on Kyle, and he's a very talented quarterback. And I'm happy to see that he's he's thriving a lot more uh, than he did in college because you know when you look at that quarterback class coming out of high school, it was. Uh, Kyle Allen is the number one quarterback. Number two was Deshaun Watson. All the way down to number 30 was Pat Mahomes. There was a few other quarterbacks in that that ended up panning out. And Allen never really, after a, a very good freshman season, never really stuck anywhere, went undrafted, and had some talent. But if you're giving me Deshaun Watson at home versus a, a, a backup quarterback and a Panthers team that, frankly, hasn't won any games versus a team that was very good in, in, in almost six months. I mean, you look at... They, they beat the Cardinals. The Cardinals are, are, have still not won a game this season. Uh, and then Kyle Allen beats the Saints at the end of last season. But that was when they sat most of their starters. So I get the, the Texans. I get four points. So I'm going with the Texans to cover the four points. Next, um, I'm going with, and this is a pretty simple bet for me. I got the Chiefs minus six points versus the Lions. The Chiefs are going to put up so many points. The Lions are undefeated, but they've played some of the worst football for an undefeated team. Uh, they Versus the Cardinals week one, Matt Stafford threw a, a clear interception that should have been um, caught at the end of the game, which would have given the Cardinals a 35-yard field goal to end the game. Uh, they dropped it, so that, that ended up being a tie. But I don't expect the Lions to put up much of a fight. They're at home, so that's an advantage. But six points, and I get Pat Mahomes. I'm taking that. Um, next... If you look at the uh, Sunday night football game, I get the Cowboys versus the Saints. I always tell people, bet on your own happiness. Look, I can't stand the Cowboys. I can't. But one of the things that I will tell you is I like myself being happy. So I can bet on the Cowboys to cover the two and a half points versus the Saints. And then if they don't and they lose, I'll be happy because the Cowboys lost. And then I can talk to all the Cowboys fans on my Facebook and who, who have been raving about how they beat up on the Giants with Eli Manning and versus the Redskins with Case Keenum and versus the Dolphins with Josh Rosen. Three teams that were 0-8 outside of Daniel Jones winning a game for the Giants, which is essentially a different team because Daniel Jones is actually a competent quarterback. So I'm going to take uh, on, on that side 
the Cowboys to cover two and a half points because if they do, it's going to make me very happy. Uh, next game, I get the Titans plus four points versus the Falcons is in Atlanta. But as I mentioned earlier, the Falcons have lost eight straight games versus the AFC. They got manhandled last week versus a run, and their offensive line is banged up. And now I get Keanu, Keanu Neal, who tore his Achilles last week. So uh, I think that secondary is going to be much more uh, impacted, which is going to allow Mariota to be able to throw you know, to the tight end Delaney Walker, who Keanu Neal typically guards a lot of the tight ends, uh, to be able to keep that game out of reach so they can continue to run the ball. So I'm taking the Titans plus four points. Versus the Falcons. And the last game I think is pretty simple. Chargers, I get six, I'm giving 16 and a half points, but they're playing the Dolphins. Look, man, I don't know a person who's gotten worse treatment than Josh Rosen since the Andy movie. Look, Josh Rosen, if you can go, go to YouTube or go to Twitter and just look at Josh Rosen and say, look what they're doing to Josh Rosen. Look up Josh Rosen highlight videos. He's throwing beautiful passes, dimes on in the end zone, down the sideline, down the seam. These are touchdown passes. And guys are just dropping them. And he's got no protection. He's been one of the uh, worst setup quarterbacks to, to succeed in the history of the NFL. If you look at what they did to start their, to start their career of uh, Josh Rosen, he gets drafted by the Cardinals. The GM has a DUI, somehow still keeps his job. Uh, the year before Rosen, he drives Robert Kemdichie, who's no longer on the team. Then he drives Rosen and trades him away a year later. Uh, then he hires a college coach who... Um, you know, outside of his conference, uh, the, the non-conference games inside his conference was like six and thirty-three in his career. So yeah, this is the the GM you get, and and you get a coach that first year he gets fired. Um, you get an offensive coordinator who they switch mid-season during his rookie season. Then they trade you to the Dolphins, a team who's tanking, who traded away their best offensive lineman, their best wide receiver, their best linebacker, their best cornerback. Like, Josh, prayers up, man. I. Sometimes you can't catch a grip break, but look, man, I can't feel too bad for a guy whose family is so wealthy that his grandmother is the person they named the uh, University of Penn uh, Business School after. If you look at Wharton School of Business, the Wharton is his grandmother, and that's her maiden name. So um, he's had a pretty good life. Apparently, they're super, super wealthy, and yeah, first round money. So good luck, good job. You live in Miami. Can't feel too bad. Uh, with that being said, guys, check out the podcast. Uh, obviously, we have our uh, our regular Me Bros podcast with me arguing, debating with uh, my two brothers, Jeremy and Damon. Um, that's out already. iTunes, Spotify, um, YouTube, Google Play, any place you can get Podbean, any place you can get podcasts. Uh, also, check us out social media, uh, facebook.com forward slash the Me Bros. Um, you got Instagram at Me Bros underscore podcast. And then you got Twitter at Me Bros podcast. Uh, appreciate it, and we out.